All right. Good morning. Happy New Year. I got a little uh, Happy New Year cold this morning, so if I sound uh, like Barry White, is that his name? You'll know why, the deep voice guy. Um, hey, uh, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at New City Church, and again, Happy New Year to you. We're glad that you've come. If you're visiting, uh, we'd love to know that you are here, and you can let us know by filling out the Connect card, and you can put that in our offering box, which are our two uh, little black boxes out here, or you can drop it off at the information table on your way out. Uh, we'd love for you to pick up any information that, that you'd like. I should also mention that next week we're going to be doing um, a little bit of a state of the church address, kind of looking forward, looking back. Um, I'm going to introduce that this morning, and then we're going to be concluding that next week. Um, and in so doing, if you're interested to know more about the church, great week to be here would be next week, uh, as well as you can, again, visit our information table. We'd love to get you any information that you'd like. We do pray for your prayer requests that you fill out, um, whether you're an attender, regular attender here, or visiting. So please uh, continue to put those in the box. Uh, we want to be a church that prays for each other for sure and ask God to do his will in all these areas that, that are uh, of prayer concern for you. Um, not really a ton of announcements uh, other than that. Um, this morning, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I've been praying for over the la- uh, past couple of weeks and I believe what God has uh, laid on my heart as uh, the lead pastor of the church, um, specifically, maybe from a more uh, uh, theological standpoint, what we want to be about this year. And then next week, we'll talk about some specifics. Um, but I don't know um, if you've listened to the news recently, but New Year's resolutions are out, okay? Now we make New Year's goals. So if you're one of the resolutions people, In the words of Donald Trump, you're stupid, okay? Um, It's goals now, okay? And one of the goals um, that I've been praying about, and and, uh, one of the first years I've actually done this, probably very uh, uh, concentrated for the last couple weeks, I've been praying, God, what would be a goal that you would have for our church and for uh, myself personally as I walk with Christ and try to lead my family and lead the church as we walk with Christ together? Uh, what would be one of the goals? And what kept coming to mind as I prayed about that uh, was this word hunger, hunger. Uh, more under the understanding of stay hungry, I think, was the message. Now, that could be confusing, especially if you maybe grew up in a very type A uh, you know, situation, whether it was athletics or your job or your career. Um, staying hungry means a lot of things uh, to a lot of people. And one of those things is stay hungry, meaning... Keep trying harder, right? Um, Stay hungry for for the goal, to win the prize, whatever that is. And there's certain aspects of that that I believe are really true and biblical, uh, but I want to talk about it from a different perspective this morning, and I'll I'll get into that um, uh, here in a couple minutes. Before we get into that, why don't you stand with me? I'm going to read out of two passages this morning. And we stand in honor of God's word. I'm going to read first um, in Exodus chapter 16, the first several verses of that chapter, and then I'm going to switch over to Matthew chapter 5 and read one verse from that passage. This is God's word. They, the Israelites, set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. 
And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let me pray for us this morning as we stand together. Father God, as we come to your word, we ask that you would uh, illuminate it through your Holy Spirit for us to understand. And first, uh, I do pray and confess my sin as we do corporately during this time of song and and together we we confess our sins to you. I pray that that wouldn't just be uh, a routine that becomes something we take for granted, but that we would really seek to see your face as holy and perfect as it is and we could see our hearts uh, sometimes as far from you as we could possibly imagine. I know in my own life that is the case at times and I pray that as we confess our sins, that we would uh, be assured of your pardon because of the cross, and only because of the cross can we be forgiven. Uh, As we talk about staying hungry as a church and as people uh, who claim to follow Jesus Christ, I pray that we would understand what we are to be hungry for, uh, that that would be uh, the strongest desire of our heart. And uh, I would ask that you would bless this time as we look in your word for that. I know many people are in need of some prayer for healing today. I pray that you would continue to heal those who have uh, gotten over the hump in some illnesses and injuries. I pray that you would uh, bring them back to 100% health. And we pray that you would do that because of uh, your power to do so, that you are the great healer. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. I don't know about you, but I was uh, very hungry over the past couple weeks. Uh, you might ask, how do I know? How did I know that I was hungry? And it's because I just ate a lot. So I must have been really hungry. I don't know if you did that as well. But um, the one other thing other than stay hungry that came to mind was salad uh, that the Lord gave me for the next few weeks. So I'm going to work on that. Uh, but being hungry is a good thing, and it's important to feast in celebration of Jesus coming to earth. Um, But, you know, every now and then you become aware of the downside of feasting, and that is that you can forget what it's like to be hungry. You can take the fact that there is a wonderful meal prepared for you and that you can sit at a table with friends and eat to your full. You can take it for granted. And as I mentioned, I prayed, God, what, what would you have for our church this year? What would you have for me? And it was stay hungry. And so I opened up the scriptures and I read several passages that had to deal with hunger. And one of the ones that I was stuck on was this passage in Exodus that I just read, the whole chapter actually. And as you may remember, the the Israelites and the story of the Israelites being set free from slavery in Egypt. Um, There was a lot of Israelites and there was a a horrible uh, uh, slavery that they were captured in in Egypt. And they're released after Moses comes and performs the miracles that God allows him to perform. The plagues come, descend on Egypt, including the killing of the firstborn of every house that didn't have the swath of blood over the doorpost. Um, Everyone 
uh, died, the firstborn died, the plagues came, and they were released from their captivity. And they go into the wilderness, they get to the Red Sea, and of course, almost immediately, the Israelites, unlike us, of course, begin to complain. And they begin to have issues with God and their leadership. And they get to a point where not only are they upset that they had to leave the quote-unquote comforts of Egypt, but they're upset that, that they're getting very hungry. And in Exodus chapter 16, they're complaining to the leaders, and Moses uh, says to them that God is going to provide for you something that is called manna. And the word manna actually means what is it, okay? Because they didn't understand what this thing that was falling or, you know, that was a, uh, would appear every morning for them to eat. They didn't know what it was. So God sends manna for them to eat. And the Israelites are commanded to gather enough for the day. And you read in the chapter that they would sometimes, some of them would accumulate more than they needed for the day. And as they did that, the, the maggots would infest it and they would have that portion of the stuff that they gathered would not be edible. And so there's a, a real lesson that, there that they were to do what God had commanded, but only to do uh, what he commanded to gather enough for the day. Now on the sixth day, they would gather a double portion of the manna, of the food that they were to eat, and they would consume that on the Sabbath. So really interesting that if you gathered more than your share on the second day of the week, uh, that amount more than your share would turn to maggots and be inedible. But on, on the sixth day, which would have been Friday for them, um, they would gather a double portion to consume enough for that day and enough for the Sabbath. Very interesting to me that God had that, that much control and the miracle of this manna and the provision that he gave them um, was so manifest. So they did this, the Israelites did this for 40 years. They were in the wilderness without a home, without the promised land, without a place of security, without a place that they could call their own for 40 years. And every day of those 40 years, God would provide for them manna to eat. Now, the point of, of that story, if you read it and you read some of the commentators and how, how they spoke about it, was that the Lord satisfied their hunger. Their real physical hunger was satisfied, but was a, a metaphor, if you will, for the fact that the Lord and the Lord alone, God, God alone, can satisfy hunger. He, he's the only one. Uh, the past couple of weeks as I've been, you know, spending time with my family, enjoying lots and lots of football and just having a great time, I've also been anticipating what would this new year be like. And we make all sorts of goals and we think that there's a way uh, that we can satisfy the things that we want to pursue and we can achieve that which we want to achieve. But at the end of the day, the Lord and the Lord alone is the only one who can satisfy our hunger. Now, another um, little point that I wanted to make in this Exodus passage is that the Israelites weren't just called out of slavery. That was a big deal, right? To be released from slavery and to be out of that captivity that had uh, uh, been their reality for many, many years. They weren't just freed from slavery. They were called on a mission out of Egypt. So when you're freed from slavery... These folks were called to a mission out of Egypt. And the, the mission for them was to take Canaan, which was the promised land. They weren't just going to be freed from slavery. They were freed 
to go on God's mission for them, and God supplied them everything they needed. Not only the manna and the quail that you read about in Exodus 16, but he provided them direction through a pillar of fire by day, or a, a excuse me, a cloud of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. They knew which direction to go towards the promised land. And they were at the mercy of God's provision. And day after day after day, they were provided for, but they still grumbled. They still grumbled. Now, I'm talking to myself here, so every time you see one finger pointing out, there's three pointing back at me. Um, of course, we don't, don't grumble with God's provision, right? Um, we, we're perfectly satisfied and perfectly in a relationship of trust with the God who created the universe And you would think that the Israelites, um, like us who have perfected ourselves, ha-ha, you would think that a great trust would have developed after seeing daily their needs being met for manna uh, falling on the ground for them to eat and for God to provide them direction and lead them, that they would develop a great amount of trust. And I think especially for the Israelites, there weren't many distractions. I mean, they were in the desert. And there was a constant need for God to provide and lead. And when we're in the desert and there is a constant need for God to guide, provide, and lead, we still grumble. So the hunger of the Israelites in this situation was very real. But I believe it's also a metaphor for me and maybe for you. And it speaks to an ongoing hunger that I have and that I constantly try to fill with other things. But I always come back to the reality that that hunger can only be filled by God. So that brings us to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. I'll read it again for you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Uh, This is coming out of the passage, and you know it as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, someday we'll do a whole sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount because it's packed full of of what I believe Jesus is saying to his people, this is what the kingdom looks like. This is what I am dying, eventually going to die for, so that this can be a reality. That the kingdom has come, but it's not totally here yet, but Jesus, as the king of the kingdom, is telling us in the Sermon on the Mount what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom. And he talks to a people uh, that at that point we're, we're very hungry. It wasn't like uh, after church today when we're all going to you know, break our little huddle and go down to Snarf's or Illegal Pete's or Chipotle or you, know, you name it. If you have another favorite, let me know because I like all of those places as well and I'm looking for a new spot. But it's not like you can just break the huddle and go and for you know, a very small amount of money, you can have as much food as you could possibly want. Um, again, salads for a few weeks. Try that out. Uh, if you're like me, you're going to need that. But this wasn't the case for these people. They were hungry. And Jesus has this incredible knack of being able to relate to people in a physical need or, or in a, a, th- a thing that is part of their reality to speak to them about the truths of the kingdom and the truths of who he is and what he has uh, uh, done for us. And in this particular verse... He uses this concept of hunger because these people were physically hungry. Um, as I said, we're going to do a sermon series on this uh, Sermon on the Mount at some point. But these people were hungering 
and they were thirsting, and they were hanging around Jesus many times so that they could get a free meal. You remember the, the miracle of the loaves and the fish and how Jesus used that uh, to, to speak to them an eternal truth about himself and the reality of the kingdom by providing them with an abundance of food from a very small um, amount of loaves and fish. And so I think Jesus, when he gets to this verse in the Sermon on the Mount, is really implying, and I think through all of these when he says, blessed, 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 he is implying a question, implying a question, and he's answering the question through the sermon. And this, I believe, is the question that he's asking. Do you want God's blessing? Do you want God's blessing? I think that if we were all uh, honest and maybe in our impetuousness, uh, we would say, yes, I want God's blessing, but we don't really understand what we're, what we're saying when we say, I want that. Do you want God's blessing? Blessed is a word that is often used but seldom understood. And biblically, when you look at uh, the words in, in Scripture, it's great to have some sort of a tool that takes you back to the original language because this particular word um, isn't just about a temporary good feeling or situation. Like when you go to watch the Broncos game today and someone makes a great play and at the end of it they may, may have, have won a victory over their opponent and the announcer's going to, hey, how do you feel? Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Well, yes, that, that is in an, a piece of it, it, it's true. But blessing is so much more than that. It's not a temporary good feeling or, or just a situation. I don't know about you, but I was blessed with a bunch of gift cards for Christmas. Who, who just loves gift card Christmas? I got a stack, like, of gift cards. And, you know, I'm, I'm digging in which ones have the expiration date on them because you want to use those first, right, because you don't want to lose out on that. But being blessed by a bunch of great gift cards isn't the same or it's, it's just a fraction of what biblical blessing means. L- listen to what this definition of blessed is according to the, the language that's used in Scripture. Being blessed is an ongoing state of being. So I'll go back to the question, do you want God's blessing? And what I'm asking there, and what I believe Jesus is implying in the question that, or in the verse that he's talking about here, the question that he's asking, do you want God's blessing? Do you want an ongoing state of joyful being? Enjoyment of what God has blessed you with it is a real reality, and I, I enjoy what God has blessed me, uh, blessed me with many times. But there is, there is a sense of this word that there is a separation through the blessing of God that you are separated from the normal cares and worries of life. Now, it's not a person who is oblivious to the normal cares and worries of life. It's a person who, in spite of the normal cares and worries of life has an ongoing joyful state of being they are in a sense blessed by God so what what is this in the sense of God's blessing you are given things people emotional state of being that allows you to feel rich or in abundance but God's blessing allows us to have a sense of joy in lieu of the reality of the world and where it is going so you, you have things in your life that you feel blessed by. I feel blessed by my children. It says in Scripture that children are a blessing from the Lord. But when I'm watching the news, which 
I, I got to be honest, way too much news for the last couple weeks is we took a little break, okay? So I'm going to detox from the news. But as I'm watching the news and all that is going on in the world and worried about the normal realities and cares of life, and I can look at my children and I can sense a, a blessing, an ongoing state of reality that my children know and love Jesus Christ, that my children will one day be, be leaders in their church and in their community for the sake and glory of Jesus Christ. All of those things are a blessing. Or if I'm struggling in seasons of financial difficulty and I can sit down with, with my family and have a great meal, there is a sense of blessing where in the reality of the financial difficulty, the fact that I can eat this meal that God has given me, there is a sense of ongoing state of being that God is in control and the normal carries of worries of life are separated from me. It's a picture, I believe, on what was uh, a picture of what was done on the cross to overcome sin, Satan, and death. Because the, the concept of separation is one that is theologically interspersed throughout Scripture. When we sinned, we separated ourselves from God. And on the cross, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, are justified by him, have been made perfect because Christ is perfect and lives inside of us as followers of Christ, we have been separated from sin, Satan, and death. That is a real understanding, a real picture of the kingdom, and a real picture of the fact that we can be blessed. So do you want God's blessing? He says, if you do, in this passage, that you need to hunger and thirst. Let's just do a show of hands just to kind of to get you back engaged here. Who, who has ever been like really hungry? Really hungry. Okay. I, I think I've been hungrier than all of you. Okay, so I, I'm just in a competitive mode today. I win. Um, I think I, I, I've been very hungry. I'll put it that way. Uh, and the reason was I was a wrestler. And if you know anything about wrestling, you know that part of the, the dynamic of wrestling is you have to lose weight because you're trying to get to the lowest weight possible so that you can compete against people who are lighter than you and basically beat them up. Now, the irony of that is everyone's doing the same thing. So again, in the words of Donald Trump, stupid, okay? We're all ending up at the same place. Uh, but there were weeks where I would eat maybe an apple and a, a little eight-ounce yogurt a day, and I would drink one or two glasses of water a day. And I would go and work out three, maybe four hours a day, lifting weights and going to wrestling practice, and I was very hungry and very thirsty. And you know, when you're very hungry and very thirsty, you actually begin to fantasize about your favorite foods. Now, when I was wrestling in the late 80s, in high school, soft batch cookies. Anybody remember soft batch cookies? Everybody can make them now. It's an amazing thing. But back then, that was big. Because most cookies that you ate were the hard brick type cookies. So soft batch, that was it. And I can tell you, I can't tell you who my teachers were in high school, but I can tell you when wrestling season was over, where I was when I got my first bag, and I ate the whole bag, of soft batch cookies. I, I was obsessed because I was so hungry. I could 
taste food when I was sleeping. I couldn't get food out of my mind. And the people that Jesus is speaking to had this kind of hunger and thirst in reality on a physical basis. They had this kind of hunger that they could not get food maybe out of their mind. And to hunger and thirst for something is, is according to the language, an ardent craving, a zealous craving, and to be parched with thirst. It's a whole hearted desire where nothing else is on your mind. So what does Jesus say we are to desire with that kind of ardent craving, a parched uh, uh, feeling of I have to have it, a whole hearted desire? The, the answer is righteousness. And that's, that's a tough one. And I got to be honest, I wrestled with this word a lot because my immediate reaction to the understanding of that word was righteousness um, equals rightness, which is true. And it's what is right and true, what is just, what is required. That's what the the word righteousness means. What is required um, from from God to see on the planet, what is right. And immediately I thought about, oh, I I need to crave and be parched for a lot of good works I need to be a a zealot for a particular cause and I need to go do whatever I need to do to make that thing right. And I'm a cause-oriented person and we're going to talk a little bit about this next week of some things that we want to see happen in the city of Denver and and beyond that are making things right. But in this particular instance, um, we all have a sense of wanting righteous things to happen. We want the poor and needy to be taken care of. We want the oppressed to, to, be, um, to be justified. We want victims to be uh, the, the person who makes a person a victim. We want them to be dealt with, uh, with, with justice. But there is a greater sense of what Jesus wants uh, in terms of our desire wholeheartedly for righteousness. He's speaking about righteousness, but he's talking about a wholehearted desire for the righteous one. See, that's where, that's where if you're familiar with the prodigal son and you talk about the younger son who was kind of a, a wayward son and had a lot of fun and blew his dad's inheritance and, and spent it on all sorts of lascivious living, and then you have the older son and that parable is just, about, uh, just as much about the older son than the younger son. And the older son does everything right and feels like I've earned the favor of God because I've done everything right. And a lot of us can read a verse like this. I want God's blessing. I want to be blessed. I'm going to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm going to do all the right things. And folks, there, there's a part of that that is true because in obedience we're to do what God has called us to do. But in this passage... There's a greater sense that Jesus wants us to desire wholeheartedly the righteous one. The righteous one. More than anything, we are to desire Jesus more than we desire the pleasure of others or the satisfaction of ourselves. So stay hungry, and you stay hungry by wholeheartedly, with a hunger and thirst, desiring the righteous one. Now, th- this is where today I'm not going to get in trouble, but maybe later on throughout the year I'll get in a little trouble for this. The critical question is what does that mean? 
The critical question of desiring Jesus with your whole heart, desiring the righteous one more than you desire anything else, that, that question is the one that over the span of this year and frankly over the span of the time that we've been in existence as a church, we have tried to answer. It's the question, um, more than what you desire is who you desire. Who you desire. Because we can get lost in our pet causes. We can get lost in seeking what we call righteousness. Uh, we can get lost trying to do more things to earn more favor from God, excuse me, and forget that we are to desire a relationship with God through Jesus the Son and be conformed to his image. See, that, that, that's the part when you say, I'm going to stay hungry and I'm going to hunger and thirst for the righteous one. Jesus is going to do something with your life. Like, if you believe that in order to be blessed by God, I'm going to need to stay hungry for righteousness, and that means, and is implied by Jesus, you're going to have to stay hungry for that relationship with Christ, you are going to experience a radical change in your life. Because Jesus' goal isn't just to save you, you know, and and have you pray your prayer, and then in 40, 50, 60, 70 years, especially if you do push-ups and are staying healthy, you know, and you die, there's that gap of time where you just do whatever you want. To stay hungry for the righteous one means that the righteous one is going to take his righteousness and he is going to infuse you with his spirit and save you and conform you to his image. Now, this automatically implies that we need to change. We need to change. Every New Year's, I think of ways that I could change. And again, the the thing that kept coming back to me this New Year, stay hungry. Stay hungry for for the righteous one. Because that uh, is going to be the only thing that will truly change us. Only Jesus is the one who can do heart surgery on us, change our desires, change our behaviors, and most importantly, bless us because we know that we have that relationship with him. If we desire wholeheartedly the righteous one, it says in the King James Version, and in ESV it says we will be satisfied. In King James it says we will be filled. Speaking about hunger, everything that you ache for on this planet, everything that you stay awake at night wondering Is this going to work out in my favor or not? Is this whole thing, you know, this relationship with Jesus thing, is it real? Does it have the power to transform and change me? The only thing that will fill you and satisfy you is Jesus. Now, it doesn't say... Um, that, that if we desire wholeheartedly the righteous one, that we'll be filled. Notice it doesn't say that if you desire wholeheartedly the righteous one, you will have all the right answers and be able to do all the right things. Isn't that interesting? That's what I thought. Like, when I've read that verse before, I'm like, 
Okay, blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. And then I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, because he'll have all the answers and he'll do all the right things. Because he just talked about righteousness, right? That's not what Jesus says. He says, you will be filled. You will be filled. Um, there's this really interesting balance, and the leadership of our church wrestles with it. I'm sure the leadership of every church wrestles with this balance, this tension, if you will, of charging the people that you're responsible for to shepherd, charging them to be obedient and to, to do the right things. And if you go so much in that extreme, and but it's hard to talk about it in extremes because it's real, it's true. We need to be obedient. But if you come at obedience from the standpoint of you can do it on your own, you will not be filled. You will not be satisfied. If you come at, at obedience with the heart that Jesus saved you from all of your sin, that he died on the cross so that the Holy Spirit can come and live inside of you. And God loved you enough that his own son died on the cross for you. And out of the fact that God has already loved you to the most extreme measure that you can possibly conceive, out of that love, I want to obey him. That is filled. So the, the reason I think that these two passages came to mind and the reason I think that Jesus says stay hungry is because his church is a mission. We're, we're about being on mission for Christ. We're about, yes, gathering together and being infused with the preaching of God's word and communion and, and singing and giving of our tithes and offerings and all of those aspects of worship are super important to the life of of the believer, and we also believe that we are on a mission to go into a city that is dark and getting darker. And, and one of the things that I've realized as I've thought uh, about this passage and, and what we're going to talk about today is that we're here to see a new city in the city of Denver and our surrounding areas. We're here to see a new city. And it's not a new city where we have the most uh, amazing organization and the Excel spreadsheets are all set out and we're doing a lot of great things to right the wrongs in the city. That's really important that we do that, but we're doing it because we're filled. We're filled. We have a hunger and a thirst for a relationship with Jesus Christ that overflows and out of the abundance or the overflow of that, we can see uh, our mission going forward for the sake of Christ in a city that is dark and getting darker. So we're going to talk about the, the mission side of this a little bit more next week. But being filled is being satisfied and not wanting anything more. I couldn't think of anything better to talk about as we start this new year of asking this question, do you want God's blessing? Do you realize you don't have to do anything to receive it? 
that God will give it freely to those who ask? That God will give to you his blessing of a relationship with him and that relationship in and of itself, not what you do after that, before that, beside that, the relationship that you have will fill you, will satisfy you, and you will not want anything more. I pray that for you this year. I I know that a lot of us want a lot for the new year, and we think those things are going to satisfy us. But the only thing that will satisfy our deepest desires is Jesus Christ. Stay hungry. Stay hungry for him. We're going to take communion, and communion is a time to celebrate a man who we perceive... um, to be a a poor, peasant, marginalized um, person who who just kind of walked around and taught some great things. And that's for sure the reality of who Jesus was in the first century. But Jesus now is at the right hand of the Father. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And and we continue to believe because he says this will happen. We continue to believe that God will grow his church. Not just New City Church, but the, the people who follow him and call themselves believers. We believe that he will continue to build his church. We believe that, that heaven will be full. Just think about the concept of that. That heaven will be full. All of the people that God wants to be his children will be there and will celebrate forever and ever and ever the king who died for us. So when we come to the communion table, I want you to think of Jesus as the king of kings and lord of lords. The one who wants to see a, a, a new city that, that is full of people who know him and love him and are reaching out to those who are marginalized and oppressed not just to serve their needs, that's important, but to serve their most desperate desire, which is to be filled by a relationship with Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can come take the bread representing the body that was broken for you. You can dip it in the wine or the juice representing the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And as you come to the table, remember to stay hungry. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, um, that we can come to the communion table. We can take the bread representing your body and the, the wine or the juice representing the blood that was shed for us, and that we can be filled by this communion dinner that we're about to receive. We can be filled by a king who died, who rose again. And when he sees darkness, he wants to infuse it with light. When he sees lies and deception and death, he, he offers us truth and life. Pray that as we go through this week and this year, we will stay hungry 
not for the good deeds that we can do, but for the, the person who was perfect and died in our place.